This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Shaw Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus bringing in Husker Online's Allie Snow uh, joining us here now with the weekly mailbag. Allie, what do you have this week to start us off in the mailbag? First question is a basketball question. Is there a future NBA player on next year's Nebraska ball roster? Nebraska's coaches think so. Um, for sure, uh, Delano Banton's probably at the top of the list. I mean, being a 6'8 guy that can be a point guard, uh, that is very appealing at the next level in the, the era of positionless basketball. So, I mean, he's one, but, I mean, you got a guy like Trey McGowans, who's a former four-star top 100 player who started you know, almost every game of his first two years at Pitt. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a factor. Uh, you know, Teddy Allen, I mean, he's a guy that a lot of people think if he didn't have the um, you know issues he had personally over the last few years, he could be a pro by now. Uh, and so, yes, I think there's at least – one, maybe not a couple, depending on how things go. And, you know, with Fred Hoiberg's track record, I would certainly not rule it out. All right. From who you have talked to or what you know, do you feel like Frost and the staff are approaching this season differently than his first two? Uh, I just think this whole season in general is different. I mean, without really knowing the parameters of what it's going to look like and when you'll start. But I do think they have a better idea of the conference, the type of players you need to have in this conference to win. And I, I do think now they have two full recruiting classes on campus that they truly recruited, the 19 and the 20 classes. So, yeah, I, I think it's turning over for the good. You're starting to see that length they've added show up on the offensive line and the secondary. Um, the news on Xavier Betts qualifying was huge last week. Um, Omar Manning looks to be on track to get here as well. So you're going to see a much bigger physical wide receiver group. So I do think this team – you know, had some holes that showed up big last year, and, and they've really done a good job in, in addressing that here in year three. Yeah, I think just the influx of competition at, you know, pivotal positions is definitely a new approach to where uh, there's nothing going to be handed to anybody, and that includes the quarterback position to where, uh, you know, there's going to be competition across the board, and I think they realize they have to do that. Um, obviously, they focused a lot of attention on special teams, uh, but bringing in guys that are going to be battling at literally every position, that's kind of the old saying that competition breeds, uh, you know, championships, and hopefully, uh, you know, some of the areas where they've been struggling by having multiple players that are not only um, competing for the job but are talented enough to make you a better team, um, that is kind of, in theory, the the optimal strategy going into a season. Well, they've definitely approached the offseason differently. I mean, this is the first time Scott Frost has ever had to, to – uh, make changes or let somebody go or, you know, however you, however you want to word it, um, you know, he, he made changes on the staff. And so, um, you know, and, and I think that they, you know, from talk, when, when we had a chance to talk with the staff, I mean, um, they made it pretty clear that they went back and, and reviewed what they were doing and how they were doing it. And, um, you know, they were taking a, a long, hard look at all of that stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I think when you make changes in the offseason, especially with your coaching staff, um, it kind of speaks to you um, saying, well, maybe we've got we've got to do something different here so we have a different outcome in the fall. Omar Manning, when does he make it to Lincoln? Well, he's got to finish his classes. Um, you know, I know Nebraska had him enrolled in multiple different junior colleges online because his current JUCO he was at didn't offer that class online that he needed. Um, but you know, I, I know they have him on a path, and um, he's got to finish with a 2.5 GPA. 
to be eligible at the Division One level. I know Division Two, you have to have a two point four. So they've they've really tightened those requirements for junior college guys. It used to be basically just get your associate's degree. GPA wasn't as big of a parameter, um, but yeah, they have them on a path to get here. Um, I don't know if Nate can add any more to that, but um, I, I know they believe that he'll be here. Um, you know, once those classes are done. Yeah, it may not be until later in June, from what I understand, uh, or maybe even early July. Uh, until he's physically on campus. But um, like Sean said, they, I know Nebraska is very confident that you know, regardless of when the, you know, he actually steps foot on campus, that he will be here uh, at, at some point. And, and that's, that's a big win. You know, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that you know, getting Xavier Betts qualified was huge and, and getting Omar Manning to join that, uh, that wide receiver room, especially with what the, the class that they just signed. I mean, that's, that is massive, you know, <laughs> given the lack of depth at that position. And Nate, just through your experience of JUCOs, the guys that have to, you know, that don't get here in December that you're kind of waiting on, it's usually more the case that it's not right away in June. Usually it's kind of June, late June, early July. Rarely do you see a, a JUCO guy arrive on June 1 with like the, the full newcomers um, because they usually are trying to finish up something. Yeah, I mean, if they're not here on June 1st or right when the, the summer you know, workouts and summer classes start, it's usually going to be late June or, or even mid-July. Um, you know, I, there's been a lot of guys over the years, that the junior college guys in particular, that have had to uh, take multiple classes. It used to be the BYU online classes were, were the kind of the go-to. Meant uh, for people on their Mormon missions. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, the, that, was the, that was kind of the secret sauce to getting JUCO guys qualified uh, back in the day, uh, especially like Maurice Purify comes to mind. Uh, same type of situation, though. They don't necessarily have that right now, but, um, yeah, Manning will be here. Uh, it's just probably... Uh, Probably not going to happen until later on in June. And for reference, Randy Gregory didn't show up until two or three days before fall camp. Yep. He led the Big Ten in sacks that year. Levante David, same thing. He didn't show up until fan photo day, essentially, and he was one of the leaders in the conference and tackles. So um, guys have – if you're if you're a dude, you're a dude. And we've seen Juco guys show up as late as the first day and, and, and have all Big Ten level years. Not saying Manning's going to have that kind of year, but, I mean, there's high hopes uh, going into next season. Do you feel with Luke McCaffrey practicing with his brothers and father could give him an advantage over Martinez during this quarantine period? I, I, I have a hard, I mean, no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sure. It's a great thing to have that resource um, with your brothers and your dad training you and working out. Um, but, running the offense and practicing with your teammates is still to me the most important thing. Yeah. I don't know if outside of being able to throw passes to an all pro running back and a retired NFL wide receiver. I mean, sure. I guess that's, that's cool. But uh, as far as how he's going to uh, prepare for Nebraska's offense and potentially pushing for playing time uh, that uh, I don't think has really any correlation. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to hurt him working out with, uh, with it's a, than being alone in your garage exactly. or something like that. I mean, like, to, to have that it, <laughs> and they're competitive. I mean, they're all, they're all competing against one another and everything. And, um, you know, I'm sure that, that Luke and Dylan, who is going to probably be the starter at Michigan or uh, maybe picking each other's brains here and there, but um, I mean, it's there. There could be worse situations to be in, but I don't know if it necessarily is giving him a, a huge leg up on Adrian. Is his brother the front runner to be the starter at Michigan this yes. year? So yeah. that that'll be a pretty cool story. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, look at it. You've got Christian McCaffrey, um, and then possibly two, you know, two Big Ten starting Big Ten quarterbacks. Starting quarterbacks. Um, you know, and then Max was in the NFL and kind of bounced around. I think he even was in the, the XFL 
just this past spring. So I mean, you got four, you got four pretty, pretty talented guys, and then oh yeah, their their, their dad is yeah. is not know, bad, Ed. Yeah, not bad. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're all kind of working. I mean, it could be a worse situation, but I, I don't know if it's like going to be the secret sauce to him getting <laughs> winning the job this fall. All right, we got two time for two more, Allie. All right, can you compare the upsides of each of the quarterbacks at NU? Would love to hear what makes each unique from mental makeup, arm strength, accuracy. Oh, God, this might be our last question. This is a long way. <laughs> it's going to take a while. I mean, I, Martinez has got the advantage is with his experience, his physical size. Um, you know, he's obviously had his ups and downs, but there's a lot there. McCaffrey, as we know, is maybe one of the fastest quarterbacks Nebraska's ever had. He's very phys- He's very mature mentally. Um, Logan Smothers, we just don't know enough about him yet at this point, what he's going to bring to the table. Um, but everything he showed in high school showed that he is very fast, has a live arm, he's a coach's kid. Um, they all kind of fit the makeup uh, that Mario Verduzco is looking for and Scott Frost is looking for with that position. I think Adrian has everything that they want except for the fact that he's now injury prone. Uh, will he be able to stay healthy, I think, is the ultimate determining factor as to what that position looks like this year. Um, with Luke McCaffrey, uh, talent, uh, an abundance of it and potential, but he's just unproven. He just hasn't had the opportunity yet. So, um, you know, I don't know enough about Smothers, but I think that uh, all those guys, like you said, Sean, fit what they want the quarterback position to be in this offense. And um, right now, Adrian's the front runner, but um, that could be temporary if he's not able to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think Adrian, Adrian's kind of the guy, if you drew up a quarterback to, to you know operate in the system, he was that guy. But now he's he has been a little injury prone, uh, maybe made some poor decisions this, uh, this past season, um, you know, for a variety of different reasons. I know that Luke McCaffrey, they've said that he's probably the most competitive quarterback that they've had. Uh, that they kind of have to put the put the rain, you know, rein him back in and, and um, tell him to calm down sometimes because all he wants to do is watch film and uh, and compete and do this and that. I, I think that Logan Smothers is is maybe a little bit of a combination of the two. I think he's a little bit more polished uh, as far as mechanics go that, than Luke was coming in, and, and you know uh, maybe a little bit more uh, athletic, uh, faster than Adrian, but uh, you know has a lot of the same qualities there too. So uh, bottom line is they're they're all pretty pretty good quarterbacks they've got a lot to work with all right final question Allie did the last dance live up to the hype yes um I I was kind of like man they're really blowing this thing up and you know there was very few things that I've watched 10 things in a row like that on 10 Sunday nights or five Sunday nights over five weeks um but the biggest thing growing up in the 90s I was born in 1980 um so that was like right in my wheelhouse and it just brought back so many memories of what we saw. And I, I truly believe the NBA was a better product back then uh, because the star power was better. And there, there was a level of class um, and professionalism that those stars carried themselves with that really gave the NBA just, you know, it's the biggest stage. I mean, there's so many people um, would get home on Sunday from church and you would watch the double header or triple header every Sunday uh, because you wanted to watch those guys on TV, and Michael Jordan meant that much to the game, and it was before Twitter and before social media and all these things, and he was able to elevate his brand, which just tells you, you know, how powerful he was, considering he didn't have all the resources people have today. There was a aura of mystery around guys back then because we didn't know their personal lives like we know every single thing about LeBron James and criticize everything that he does. If Twitter was around when Michael Jordan was around, 
he would not be the star that he is today. Because as we saw, Jordan can be uh, prickly to say the least. And, you know, what's funny when you watch that, you got to keep in mind that he had like total control over what they aired. And uh, so things that he didn't want included in there, you know, I'm sure they could have gone a little bit deeper into his uh, closet full of skeletons had it been, you know, completely objective perspective. But that being said, from an entertainment standpoint, it was everything that I hoped it would be. Yeah, totally entertaining. And, um, you know, I I agree. It totally brought me back to my my childhood. I mean, um, not that I... uh, doubted how good Michael Jordan was but it was a good reminder like wow he was just absolutely phenomenal uh because after you after you don't see something for a long time you you know it kind of fades a little bit but um it was interesting to me uh just how much kind of control he he had he elevated the NBA so much um as far as making it popular around the globe uh, that was that was one big takeaway I had, and the other too was uh, he's probably lucky that social media wasn't around back then because can you imagine people getting getting pictures of him <laughs> playing cards in the casinos and, and things like that or or on a golf course gambling <laughs> or whatever? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, he, it was probably good that that uh, um, you know he he had his moment in the in the sun then rather than now. How about Gus and Waz, the two guards? Yeah. I mean, those guys were awesome. Like his and they they both uh, have passed away over the years, but just like the backstory of like those security guards and I guess Waz's daughter, she's released some pictures that people mm-hmm. have posted of him and um you know just all these little things that you didn't know uh, about my Now Ali, you're a youngster. Yeah. <laughs> did that did did it do much for you? Well, okay, I'm weird, but I'm like obsessed with 90s culture and like the basketball era, the clothes, the it music. Awesome. So I loved it. Um but I know a lot of my generation is still like team LeBron, like he's way better than Michael Jordan. But I loved the documentary and like I think it I think it was like perfect timing cuz like my generation and the older generation all like got to see this and it kind of gave a different perspective, but I I loved it. So well, it gave us something too when there's really yeah, not much yeah. on and keeping our fingers Could, couldn't crossed. ask for a better stage to uh, when you're the literally only thing in sports happening. That's uh, pretty well, good. They kind of rushed the the end they, of it. Too. They bumped it up yeah, too, yeah. To, to get it uh, or release it or whatever when they did. Five to six million people watched each one of the ten episodes crazy. on cable. So yeah, that is crazy. All right, when we come back, we're going to close the show. We'll talk some recruiting with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.